welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Ready for Polyamory Podcast. This week's episode is on the relationship escalator and off-escalator relationships. As always, I'm your host, Laura Boyle, and you can find our blog at www.readyforpolyamory.com. If you'd like to support the blog and podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory or make a one-time contribution at ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory. This week's guest is Meadow Perry, a polyamorist of three years and a, med- and a bumble magician uh, from the Philadelphia area. She has been practicing the bubble arts and magic for 15 years uh, in various venues and has a show coming up on February 5th that you can find the link for tickets in the show notes. As always, our intro and outro music is provided by the talented Vince Conaway, whose work you can find at VinceConaway.com. So we're going to jump right into it with Meadow who is my telemore and who I was chatting with a little before starting the actual meat of this conversation. So our podcast this week begins sort of in situ, as it were. Enjoy. So, Meadow, today we're going to talk about uh, the relationship escalator and relationships that are sort of off escalator So the general concept of the relationship escalator is this idea of the kind of classic, you meet someone, you uh, date around a little, meet somebody, go steady, uh, decide to be an item, then nowadays we're a little more flexible about the order of whether you move in together first or get engaged and married first and then have a pile of kids uh, and stay together forever in your cute little house and are together until you die. Um, And sort of all other relationships are ruled as to some extent and this is with a bunch of scarecrows quotes around it, failures. Um, And I know that both of us have in our past uh, been in relationships that have taken us off of this path where like we intended to be in relationships that followed this path. And then we got out of those relationships for various reasons. And now both of us are moms with kids who are in other relationships uh, Mm -hmm. that are shaped differently than that. Uh, So today we're going to talk about relationships that don't look like that intentionally uh, and what markers we use to talk about those relationships working out because we're not measuring them by oh, well, now we're going to get engaged or, oh, now we're going to move in together. Right. Um, I'm glad you used the word intention because, um, number one, I think that your intention and their intention is the best measure 
of if a relationship is successful or not. Um, do your intentions align? Um, it doesn't have to be a thing that lasts till the end of time. Um, so it depends on what your intention is. If one person's intention is for it to be a thing that lasts till the end of time and the other person is a just a thing right now for this couple of years intention, then obviously your intentions don't align and that's probably not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Having having open discussions about what each other's intentions are for a given relationship is important for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that communication is so so important. Um and I I think that's one of the most beautiful things about polyamory is that it opens the relationship communication door instead of writing that um escalator up and making assumptions as to where the relationship is heading. Um, how often have people had to ask, where is this going? <laughs> right. Because you're just assuming that you're, you're going to ride the escalator or not. So that's right. always the question that pops up. <laughs> it opens the door for communication and for the intention of comprehension of yes sitting down and talking until you're understood of sort of repeating back and forth what you mean and what you're hearing until you reach understanding with one yes, another. Absolutely. Um, and also for expectations, um, that's, you know, in any relationship that's important. Um, very often, um, in monogamous relationships, you get on that relationship escalator and the expectations are that it's going to be that relationship escalator. And, um, you know, when those expectations aren't really being met on one side or the other, that's when things start to break down. Um, but in polyamory, really, and obviously there's no hard and fast rules, you know, monogamous relationships versus polyamorous, um, some people are more communicative than others, um, but it generally, I feel like polyamory opens the door for more communication um, and intentional um, expectations. Right. You get a yeah. little bit less of the John Mulaney bit where he's like, and then you've taken the cow to a lot of sales where... <laughs> those farmers met those cows six months after you met your cow. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and a little bit more of people designing their expectations with one another. Right. So part of being off escalator is deciding amongst yourselves which expectations you're going to set. So, for example, in, uh, in my relationship, we, outside of COVID, so I'm like crossing my fingers because now that there are vaccines, I'm hoping that sometime in 2021, we will return to regular times and regular expectations being met. Mm -hmm. um, but absolutely, we can <laughs> only too. hope, we can only hope. Uh, when things are normal and there is not a massive pandemic upending all of everyone's expectations, 
we have regular date nights Mm -hmm. and that is an expectation that we have set uh, and that's an expectation that we generally meet like there's always emergencies or family issues we both have kids so like things come up but we eight times out of ten at least meet our general expectation of we get this much private time you know of our two evenings a week that we manage to spend together and so two evenings a week and one sleep over a month kind of thing that we have managed now for you know almost five years right and mm-hmm. one of them was a pandemic year so right four years of managing our expectations right right and you know god willing in the creek don't rise we'll get back to it by the end of 2021 and mm-hmm. this will continue right but things like that or like once a year after the first year we'd been together, we go away for a long weekend together. Mm-hmm. And usually that's to a conference where one of us is working. But right. still, it's a sort of nice tradition that we've managed to build. Yeah, that is really or nice. We've got like nicknames for one another that we use when we're in private. Things mm-hmm. like this that sort of mark that even though we're not on an escalator we've built a certain level of intimacy and I think these relationships that are non-traditional have to build their own markers of intimacy in a way that relationships that follow a very traditional mold don't necessarily have to right Yeah, so that kind of, I agree with you, that kind of goes to the love languages, the five love languages, and um, and kind of, you know, the quality time. Um, That's, uh, if you set an expectation for quality time um, and having so much of it, uh, you know, every month or every week, um, that's an expectation or, um, you know... uh, words of affirmation that, you know, that's something that right. you can do while you're not in each other's space. Um, those are all really good measures of our relationship as long as both sides are getting their needs met. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, the escalator thing um, definitely when I first began uh, dating as polyamorous, um, you know, I, I had that at first of like, oh, well, what's, what's primary, what's secondary? Am I solo poly? Am, is this hierarchical? And, you know, all these terms get thrown around in polyamory, yeah. um, and trying to navigate and figure out, um, what's important to you and, um, what your expectations are and what your needs are, um, is kind of an important journey in polyamory and figuring out, um, what's going to make you happy off the escalator is is an important journey. 
Well, right. And there's definitely like those questions that your answers evolve over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I know mine certainly have where like questions that I would have answered very differently five or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I have very different answers to right now. And some of that is just circumstantial. Like I was married eight years ago. So I was like, oh yeah, clearly I have this primary partner. Uh, And now I don't know if it would have evolved the same way just because of understanding theory differently. And I would be like, oh, this is my nesting partner. Um, Or if it would have not changed at all and I'd just be a very different person than I am now and right no way to know that right um yeah when when I was married I my identity was really surrounded by being a wife um and and uh, all those uh escalator markers was really important to me mm-hmm. um you know uh having a house and having children and uh, doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing, having uh, house parties and hosting Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. all those things. Um, and, and uh, you know, when I realized this is not making me happy, this is not <laughs> what I want, um, then it opened up a real discussion as to what my needs are. Um, obviously, that marriage didn't work out for other reasons, other than being polyamorous, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, now my identity is not wrapped around societal norms of a relationship escalator. Um, I, you know, so a lot of people look at me and they, I, I, I live the life of a single woman. Um, you know, I'm single poly as it were. Right, and, same. um, yeah. And so anytime I mention one of my partners, um, and I'm in Pennsylvania. They're in Connecticut. Um, the question always pops up, oh, are you going to move to Connecticut? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not anytime soon. Um, so it's, it's also a weird thing that other people um, want to put you back on the escalator and um, what their expectations of what your life should be because it's so ingrained in, in society and culture. Yeah, it's culturally a really strong force, this, like, notion that we should be progressing up this thing. It's hard to explain to some people what polyamory is. Sometimes you just don't feel like going into it or have the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, like, okay, listen, I'm going to completely destruct your values right now. (laughs) Right, for sure. And, like... So there's this, like, kind of cool chart that somebody compiled out of a Facebook group making, like, a. they posed a question to the group of what relationship landmarks you might hit with a partner who you're off escalator with. And it's things like uh, meeting their family or their cat or dog starting to like you and, like, recognizing you as a 
like one of their people mm-hmm. um or doing chores at their house and not feeling awkward about it or them doing the same at yours uh forming independent friendships with other partners or people in their polycule or they in yours mm-hmm. um feeling keeping photos of one another in your home Mm -hmm. toothbrushes and overnight things at each other's houses stuff like that and there were a few other things that were like looking after each other when you're sick and being each other's plus one at places and supporting them through breakups and stuff and I thought that that was a really interesting little like infographic that they Mm -hmm. made um because they basically put all of these in bubbles and then put the bubbles around things which yeah the fact that it's bubbles applies to you (laughs) acutely because your work as a bubble artist uh brought it to mind Uh and I've posted it on the blog a few times because every time I write about non-hierarchical relationships I end up posting it as Mm -hmm. the like picture that goes along with the thing yeah um but I thought that that was I always think that that's kind of interesting because it's one of those things where some of those are things that you do almost immediately and some of those are things that depending on the person they can wait a super long time to do Mm-hmm. right like some of it is just are they someone who rushes in and is like oh I have feelings for this person of course they're going to meet my mom like two months after I've met them mm-hmm. and some of them are like oh I don't introduce people to my mom it's going to be like two years yeah. like, even in monogamous relationships you find those people mm-hmm. I say as one of those people <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I really uh, the the whole like meeting family and friends, um, chosen family if mm-hmm. if that's what you have to. Um, in the world of polyamory, um, you know some people aren't out as polyamorous, um, mm-hmm. and they may have their 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 partner that they're married to or they have a spouse. Um, and so they're not, they're not ready to be out of the closet (laughs) Mm -hmm. with uh, polyamory to those people. Um, so for me that, that whole like, Oh, this is our friend, um, kind of thing (laughs) took me a long time to come to terms with at the beginning because, you know, I want to shout it from the mountaintops. I love this human. Um, and I, you know, um, I'm their partner and I'm an important person in their life. I, I want that to be known. Like I, yeah. and that's, um, I, I had to come to terms with that when I first started, you know, dating polyamory people, um, or polyamorous people and, um, and identifying as polyamory, polyamorous, sorry, I keep messing up the ending. Um, <laughs> haven't had enough coffee yet. Um, so that's kind of a thing you have to reconcile with um, because different partners have different, um, 
you know, ways that they communicate with their family. Um, well, and that's definitely something that some people hold as a boundary that like either mm-hmm. you have to be out to family for me to date you, or you at least have to be out to a significant enough portion of your friend group mm-hmm. that I feel like we can sort of shout it from the mountaintops to enough of your life right? that it feels significant. Right. Like it's okay if we're not like out to your mom at Thanksgiving so long as we're out to all of your friends for Thursday night karaoke or whatever, right? Like that was when I started being polyamorous, that was sort of the level me and a lot of my early partners were at Mm -hmm. was like oh well we're not out to our parents but we have a large and diverse group of friends who we're all out to so okay we're not we are sharing it with a large group of people it's just like 30 extended friend and acquaintance network people Mm -hmm. right here right as opposed to okay I'm not taking you to my hometown and introducing you to people from when I was five (laughs) right um I think and it might be a little silly I don't know but this is a thought I had um it sort of is like a qualifier um Mm. for your relationships and also kind of kind of holding your relationship at an accountability level um, mm-hmm. to um, your peer groups and, and family, if mm-hmm. that's what you choose. But um, as far as seeing what your partner tells other people, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you've gone as a plus one uh, to uh, an event with your partner um, and then it's, this is just my friend, um, versus this is my girlfriend, this is my partner, um, you know, down the line, they could come back and say, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so, they're, they're probably more likely to act th- ask that if they um, were considered a romantic partner of yours than as just a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, so I feel like in that regard, it's kind of a qualifier of who is this person to you um, is what you're saying to your friends and family. If you're saying this person is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, and for me, that's, that's definitely one of my, um, things. Yeah. <laughs> my, one of my measures is, um, am I important enough to you to tell other people that I'm important to you? Right. <laughs> and it's totally valid to hold that as a boundary that like, you only want to see people who are all the way out, yeah. who are willing to do that. It when just... it, it took it took me a while to get to that point myself um yeah. and my two current partners are very much out mm-hmm. um so when i considered dating them um that was something i had to consider well if i'm dating them you know i don't have to be out but if i'm spending a lot of time with them uh it's gonna be obvious mm-hmm. and um and then you know as I got to know them more and more, it was, mm, I really, really love these humans. And, 
I want to shout it from the rooftops. And so I'm just going to be out mm -hmm. and, and proud. And I feel um, they are important to me and um, I feel that I'm important to them. So why not be out? That's, mm -hmm. this, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely, I think, how a lot of people end up coming to the conclusion of, well, it's time to finish coming out. Yeah. If they've been doing <laughs> this as a gradual process. Like, if they start by going, okay, I'm going to tell, like, my four best friends. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to tell the local community by going to some events. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do this like stepwise. Right. And then they start seeing someone who is like super out and they're like, okay. Yes. <laughs> That's definitely how it happens. I have a decision about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, at first, you're kind of dipping your toe in the pond because it's totally changing uh, what you've been taught your whole life. Um, all those, the rest, the relationship escalator, the societal norms, um, the compulsory monogamy stuff. Right. Um, for a lot of us, religious background doesn't mm -hmm. help, right? <laughs> yeah. Like holding my hand up as a like strictly raised Irish Catholic there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of background there like right. I'm half Irish and half South American there's a lot of background guilt here yeah yeah so and it's I might be a little bit spoiled uh because I'm in the entertainment industry in the entertainment world um and it seems to be more heavily polyamory minded um you know, yeah. when I, I first started dipping my toe and I would be like, hey, um, I'm, I'm, I'm polyamorous. At first, it felt weird to say because I was like, oh, this feels, I, I don't know, this feels, I don't know. And um, more and more, people would say, oh, that's cool. So or, am I. Oh, yeah, me or, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So-and-so is polyamorous. Oh, I've heard of that before. So, like, I... I think my bubble, <laughs> it's a little more accepted. And that kind of helped me in uh, coming out as polyamorous. Right. I got a nice boost because my ex-husband was an opera singer. And it was yeah. like, yeah, half the theater world does <laughs> yeah. this or that or the other. So, like, okay. Yeah. We're we're a weird bunch. <laughs> like the entertainment world uh, does not care what you're doing so long as you're also doing your job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so sort of directing us back in the direction of the escalator and off escalator relationships just for a second. Sure. Are there things in particular that you have found helpful with making uh, off escalator relationships work more for you like with sort of meeting your needs in those relationships yes um I think at first I had a really hard time 
with uh, being by myself and my partners being with someone else. Um, so in that regard, you have to find things that you love doing and uh, make yourself busy with those things mm-hmm. um, and come to the realization that love is not a loaf of bread. Like I, I wrote in your um, that one article post. Um, yeah, and I'll link that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, that just because my partner is loving another person doesn't mean that their love for me is any less. It's just their time that they're spending together and I will have my time together with them as well. Um, so coming to terms with that was probably the most important thing, um, for managing my off escalator relationships. Um, and, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's, that's probably the best, (laughs) So that makes a lot of sense. There aren't any particular like markers or positive like milestones that have additionally meant something in particular uh, in that sort of shout it from the rooftop sense that helped or is it just that you're out and shouting it from the rooftops that has helped with managing Uh, this i think um just being out about it and shouting it has (laughs) definitely helped um because that makes you feel more important to that person um meeting family has made Mm -hmm. me feel important and being accepted by their family um uh, okay so here's a marker (laughs) this this is a cute little marker um being able to uh get gifts for my partner's family Mm -hmm. um you know get giving a gift to um my partner's mom uh, my partner's kids Mm -hmm. uh, my partner's partner (laughs) like um, being able to do that feels really great. Um, and, uh, feeling comfortable enough to say, well, is this, is this going to be accepted? Um, like I want to show that I care and I care about the other important people in your life, Mm -hmm. um, is kind of, kind of like, I want to be in your bubble. And, and yeah, so that is, that is a big marker for me. Um, is, uh, gift giving. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's weird cause it's not one of my, uh, love languages. I'm, I'm not a big, um, receiving gifts kind of person. I'm more of a quality time and acts of service kind of person. Um, well, but in a way gift giving can be an act of service in terms of like showing that you care. Especially when it's around a traditional gift-giving kind of holiday. Yeah. And I think, well, and also my gift-giving tends to be a little more active service-y because I like to use my talents to create something. So mm-hmm. I've, I've spent time um, and emotional energy on making something very special. I get give. that. <laughs> I spent, there was one year where I made stuff for every member of the family. So like, I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big marker, I would say. Um, and also just seeing uh, 
little things in the calendar. Um, I have a dry erase calendar on my refrigerator and being able to put my little hearts on there for when we're going to spend special time together um, and have dates um, and seeing that and counting down the days, that's a marker for me. Um, if I don't have hearts on the calendar um, and nothing to look forward to, I get a little blue, you know, yeah. so having those markers are important. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really nice. Like, I absolutely get that. I find that things like having during the pandemic things like phone calls to look forward to and like tiny little everyday things like changing the names in uh our messenger chats and stuff yeah. like that because I don't do that for most people Mm -hmm. uh have been weirdly helpful and yeah. um because i had a bunch of surgeries this year we really haven't seen each other because i've been like more tightly locked down than mm -hmm. than even i would want to be uh um, yeah and it doesn't help that my one of my co-parents uh, is immune compromised, so my bubble yeah. is very small. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those um, those video chats are really important to me. Yeah, as well. Um, um, yeah, and well, and that's because my partners live together, um, mm -hmm. and my partners are partners. Um, having intentional separate time. Um, you know, we sort of had to figure that out <laughs> during the pandemic. Like we would have our separate time in normal times. Um, but during the pandemic, it was just easy. One house was video chatting the other house. So it was just easy to have all three of us chat together. But um, we, we discovered that um, we do still need individual one-on-one -on -one time with everybody. Um, so that has been a great thing that we built into the pandemic <laughs> and, um yeah just stupid things every day are fantastic um sending memes to each other um something that makes you laugh or reminded you of the person um silly filters on a picture <laughs> you know um like figuring pun out battles little things that remind you of people is... yeah i love a back and forth pun battle i that is one of my favorite things of how can I one up my partner who is um, 160 miles away <laughs> with this pun? How can I make, take it over the top? <laughs> right. And it's all of the things that could apply to escalator relationships, but can also apply off escalator. Right. And really dialing them up to 11 so mm -hmm. that if we have a moment of the, oh, but I don't get to do random escalator thing blues, we can just turn it off mm -hmm. because we have all these other things. Right, right. That for me was an important 
thing to like Mm -hmm. remind myself of and set up in the back of my head yeah i mean it really sets you up um with learning how to be less codependent uh, in your relationships and that's a great thing to be because then not only are you giving yourself autonomy but you're also giving your partner autonomy um and then that there's no constraints on where your relationship can go um you know i have a partner that it's been a year and a half since we've seen each other but now we're making plans you know um so it's there's no constraint on the relationship and it it can be fluid and um you know that's just one of those things outside of the escalator of um you know, not being put into a box of societal norms and yep. and uh, just kind of going with the flow of where a relationship organically goes, yep. um, whether it's a friend relationship uh, or a romantic relationship. Or somewhere in the middle. Or, or... somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, you know, there's not a uh, – there's not this lofty – goal that you're reaching towards you're just enjoying it you're not pushing for it to be anything you're just enjoying it the way it is and uh, that sounds so hippie of me but (laughs) (laughs) exactly we all get to be hippies (laughs) (laughs) yeah and basically uh it's this thing of for me because I have this like cynical negative voice in the back of my head because I do this is part of why I am in therapy forever and ever I mean I kind of think everyone should be in therapy forever and ever but like for all different reasons one of my reasons is that I have this like anxious depressed voice in the back of my head forever and ever that's like nothing will ever last the whole world is going to explode Mm -hmm. just accept it uh it was really important for me to develop coping mechanisms for not being codependent and for not trying to force relationships into structures that they didn't belong in Mm -hmm. and that's all my relationships like no matter who I'm seeing so so the nice thing about polyamory is that there is no obligation to seek one thing or another we just have to be communicative about what we're doing as we go along and make no assumptions Right. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's a thing in me that really wants a nesting partner. Um, but I also have realized I really, really like my alone time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I definitely have, um, had times where I've, I've had a partner over and I'm like, okay, when are you leaving? (laughs) I've had enough now, please go (laughs) kind of thing. Um, cause I really do, uh, like my alone time. Um, so I, maybe I've coped too much <laughs> with, with, um, <laughs> with that, but, um, yeah, that's 
certainly open for the future that uh, I would have a nesting partner, you know. Well, right. Like, and I'm sort of like, look, I'm a mom in my 30s with a couple of kids. Like, this is an interesting idea, but also, are you serious? Perhaps we'll talk <laughs> in my 40s when the children are grown. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I kind of have a similar thing. I'm like, I don't know if you're ready for this uh, chaos that is my life. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that you understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. <laughs> like, I'm a ton of fun, but have you met children? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. That aside, the basic idea of all of this, on escalator or off, takes a ton of communication to the point of actually comprehending one another mm-hmm. is the real message here. And in every relationship, that's going to look somewhat different, but basically communication to the point of really understanding each other whether or not that means uh just repeating back at one another until you hit the point where you're saying the same thing or whether that means some other form of nonviolent communication whatever it takes to come to a common understanding of each other's intentions in a given relationship uh, is what we all need to get to the point of having shared intention to go forward in a relationship so that we can happily go forward and perhaps hippily go forward in non-codependent fun relationships on or off escalator. So thanks again, Meadow, for joining me to talk about this. Absolutely. And uh, again, I'm going to post all of the links to your website to particularly the link to your next show on February Mm -hmm. 5th in the show notes. And uh, as usual, all of our music is provided by the very talented Vince Conaway, who can be found at VinceConaway.com, which is- He's amazing, by the way. I have his CD. Go check him out. He's phenomenal. I have at least two of his CDs, and they're (laughs) great. Um, So- uh, all of that said, it, the blog is at readyforpolyamory.com, and you can find the links to the blog, the Patreon, and the Ko-Fi in the show notes. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thanks again to the patrons for supporting me. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. <laughs>